0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Three quotes I want you to consider, and hopefully by the end you'll even see them in a different light, and even just at the beginning, from three very different people. The first one, from Dr. Adam Kuntz from just recently, he said, With time you're draining a bank account that you will never be able to replenish. From J.R.R. R. Tolkien, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And the last one is actually from a pagan emperor, Marcus Aurelius. To waste time is one of the greatest of crimes. Of course, the Bible has a great deal to say about time. Everything from the fact that our times are in the Lord's hands, to things like Ecclesiastes 3, where it tells us there's a time for everything. I had actually had in my mind at least worked out an entirely different sermon. But then I read Luther, he had one line that shaped everything I'm going to say today. He said that the thing that unites the epistle and gospel is that we're to make good use of the time of the gospel. Right? Paul says we're to be redeeming the time, to to buy back the time, because the days are evil. What in the world does that mean, though? What does that mean practically? And I'll be really up front at the beginning of this because I think it's important. I think this is a very difficult subject, one, personally, to preach on, but two, I think it's a difficult subject to hear. Because I think we all know that we waste a great deal of time on things that do not matter. That we put so much time and emphasis on things that don't matter, we neglect the things that matter, that to hear it can be, I think, quite overwhelming at times. So I say that so that as you hear this, hear out the whole thing. So we're going to cover all aspects of it, and some ones I think are very comforting and encouraging and hopeful for us. The thing I want us to consider first is that you don't have as much time as you think you do. I spent, ironically, 30 minutes looking for an article that I read a couple years ago. I thought I had saved it. I normally do that. I did not with this one. But I finally found it after a great deal of struggle, and I'm going to use my numbers myself as an example, because I'm 42, and the average male in America lives to be about 75, the average female to about 80. So I give you these numbers just to give us some perspective on some things. I think it's quite helpful. When I first read it, it was kind of shocking to me, in a good way, and even reading back over it, I still found it extremely helpful. I will give myself 80 years, just to kind of split the difference between men and women, therefore averages, but of course you can apply this to yourself. 42, which means I have about 38 of my favorite months left. Let's say October and June are two of my favorite months. I have 38 of those left. If I live that long. I enjoy watching the Super Bowl, I have about 38 of those left. How many books do you read in a year? You have that times how many years you, on average, have left. My favorite foods, favorite restaurants I go to, however often I go to those things, those are severely limited by how much time I have left, even the time I have for hobbies. Even things like elections, I have about nine elections I can vote in before my time comes. And as you read through his list, he goes through a lot of these things. They're quite interesting, but they're not all that important. I mean, if I miss the next 38 Super Bowls, who really cares, right? It's not a big deal. But the reason he goes through all this is because he gets down to what's of value. This man is not a Christian, but he gets down to some important things. For example, parents, while your kids are living in your home right now, as they live in your home, you see them on average at least 90% of the days in a year. 90%. When they move out, if they go to a different town, that drops to 3%. That's kind of a staggering number. Not only that, but once your children turn 18, you have spent 93% of the time that you were going to spend with them. So that you have about 7% of the time left with them. You have, on average, if you live in the same town with people, you'll spend ten times more time with them than if they lived in another place. That is, close friends, family, etc. And his point in laying all of this out is to show us that we really need to be careful about prioritizing our time. about making sure we have quality time with those things that matter, that is with people. Because the time you have with them turns out to be a lot shorter than perhaps you think in your head it will be. So this has all kinds of practical implications for us, for how we look at and value our time, where it's going to go. I also think, as you hear these numbers, it's going to be staggering overwhelming, but I hope what it does is wake us up out of complacency. The problem for us all is what we can call inertia, right? The status quo. It's very easy just to be in the same patterns and habits and use of our time day in and day out without being any thought to it. You fall into routines and that can be a good thing. And yet, if we're not careful, that time is quickly getting away from us. And as Dr. Kuhn said, you cannot replenish that. (laughs) It's not like if you waste 10 bucks on something that you can go and get 10 more dollars. When your time is gone, it's gone. That's it. So you don't make that back up. And so consider how much time is spent on social media. How many hours? Everyone can go to their phone and swipe over and see how much time they're spending on different things on their phone. And if it's anything, you go by the averages that are out there we should all be shocked and disgusted with ourselves. That that screen takes so much of our attention and time <laughs> that it just eats away our time day in and day out, and half the time around even thinking about doing it, we're just doing it. Same can be said for television and movies. Not that any of these things are a bad in and of themselves necessarily, maybe social media, but that it's eating away our time. And if it's gone, it's gone. That's it. Those three hours you don't get back. Those 20 to 30 hours a week on social media, you don't get those back. You spend them. I watched a video several years ago, and I've watched it multiple times since then. Um, and it's directed towards pastors, but I think it's applicable to everyone. The theme of it was speed. That's what it's called. And what it's talking about was slowing down and making time for people not for things and for checklists, but for actual flesh and blood people. When you sit with someone at their deathbed, and they're looking over their life, I have never come across anyone who says, man, I wish I would've had more money. I wish I would've had more stuff. I wish I would've spent more time on my hobbies and all these other things that don't really matter. What they usually say is, I wish I had more time with loved ones and family. I wish I had done more things related to God's holy word and the gospel. I think this article helps give us some perspective for what Moses says in the psalm that we are to number our days. As she prays, teach us to number our days. But I think this barely scratches the surface of the points of all of that, though. I think is good and it's useful. And especially if we start to think Man, I need to spend more time with people over these other things, thanks be to God. But it's just a small fraction of what Paul is talking about, or what Jesus reveals to us in the gospel. To redeem the time, to buy back the time, or some translations will put it, to make the most of every opportunity, which I don't like as much, but it does help get to the point a little bit. The focus is to do good and service to others and attend to the things of Christ. That is the point. Right? So first, let's start with serving others. Part of redeeming the time is to use our time to love and serve the neighbor, to do good for them, to take advantage of those opportunities. And this is not something you can retire from. This is not something you say, you know what, I've put in my time, I'm done, This is something that all Christians are called to according to your vocations. So most of this is going to take place where God has placed you in those vocations. As you love and serve your neighbors in those things, you are indeed redeeming the time. You're buying back that time. Even though the days are evil, you are using your time in a way that is God-pleasing God has placed you there. He wants you. He wants you to love and serve those people where he has placed you. Right? So whether it's as a father in the home, whether it's an employee on the job, whether it's as a child in relationship to your parents, whatever that vocation is, you want to look at all the key vocations, look at the table of duties in your small catechism, God has placed you there, and as you serve in those places, you are doing good, you are buying back the time. You're redeeming it. And yet, it doesn't stop there, right? It also then attend to the things of Christ. Which in Ephesians 5, you'll notice focuses on the Word of God, seeing it, and praying it, as he gives an example there. Here's some more numbers for you. Just again, I'm going to explain these further because it could be easily, these things easily can become some kind of legalistic checklist, and that's not what I want for you talk more about that in a moment. Each year you have 8,760 hours in one year. If you attended every Sunday service, every weekday service, so every Wednesday night service, and every Bible study on Sunday, you would spend 2% of your time. 2%. If you, at home, did, let's say, 15 minutes of your own personal time of reading God's Word and praying, 15 15 minutes as a family, and you did that for at least six days a week, you would add another 2%. So the thing that should shape us and govern us and be the most important thing, if you did all of that, is still only taking up 4% of your time. which is why missing that time adds up so quickly. If you miss a month of church, two months of church, three months of church, six months of church in a year, that percentage drops quickly. If a husband kept setting up an amazing feast for his wife week in and week out, and invited her week in and week out, And she said, I don't have time for that. I'm busy, but really I do love you. She's consistently missing that feast. And in fact, sometimes, she's not just missing that feast, she's going to other feasts instead. What would we think of such a wife? What would we say of her? What would we say she loves? Would we say, wow, she really loves her husband's? I use that analogy because it's the analogy our Lord uses in his parable more on that in moments. But our use of time, where we spend our time, refre- reflects not only our priorities, but what we love, what we value, what we treasure. Right? Jesus Jesus prices treasure. What is the world to me? Jesus is my treasure. But does our calendar reveal that? What does it show? How does our use of time reflect that that is the most important thing in our lives? I'm not saying it's even going to be the biggest thing on your calendar. I'm just saying if we can't even take the time for the 2% to 4% that it would take to even put any effort towards it, what are we saying about it? 2% is not much of anything. You spend more time in the bathroom in the course of the year. I mean, think about that. You spend more time getting ready in the morning and get ready at night than you do on these things. Post-COVID, and perhaps this is my fault, because we had smaller services, and those were shorter services. And our attendance during those services was in the 90s. Part of it was twofold. One, people had nothing else to do. Second, they could get in 30 minutes, get out. Perhaps that encouraged that kind of mindset, and if so, that's my fault. But post-COVID, our numbers at everything outside of Sunday, although the last couple of Sundays have been quite down too, but outside of Sunday, everything else has been way down. Like, way down. The lone exception is women's Bible study. Everything else has been dramatically down post COVID. Everything. Consider what happened as these servants went out to invite people to the wedding banquet, to the wedding, to the wedding feast, and all those things we attended with it. It says they made light of the invitation. I want you to consider that for a moment. What does it mean to make light of this? That is, they don't treat it as a weighty or important thing. It's no big deal to them. Oh, the king, my lord and master, is having his son get married on this huge feast where he wants to, to bless me and celebrates? I've got more important things to do. That is not a good use of my time. Perhaps we put it like this. Don't you know, O king that my boss needs me to work this morning. I've got a business to run. I've got things to take care of. Don't you know, O King, that they scheduled my kids' sporting event or hobby thing on Sunday? What am I to do? That's making life of it. That is what Jesus is saying. Now, the last group persecuted those but that's not really our struggle. Our struggle, I think, is that we don't necessarily understand what is given at the feast, why the king wants us at the feast, or sometimes we just don't care. That is our issue. Consider, if church is going too long, in your minds... I'm going on too long in the sermon, or whatever. People get upset. They start checking their watches, checking their phones. Yet, if you had a sporting event that went into overtime, you'd be thrilled. Wow, I paid money to see this, and now it's an overtime, this is fantastic. You don't get mad when you go to the concert, and there's an encore. You don't get upset by those things. You're delighted in those things, because you want to be there, and you want your time to be invested in those things, and you're okay if it goes long. But with church, we're like, let's get this over so I can get to the other things I have for the day. Can we speed this up? Can we shorten it? Can we get it over so that I can move on? That's dangerous. The dangerous attitude to have. When we rush out of here, like we're being shot out of a cannon, with little time, even as I mentioned before, for the people around us, What are our priorities for the day? I quoted Psalm 90 earlier. Teach us that our days we may gain our hearts of wisdom. The context of that psalm, a psalm that is largely misunderstood, Psalm 90 is a really harsh psalm. It's very in your face that you are going to die and you don't have as much time as you think you do. It's kind of the theme of the psalm. So Moses at the end of it is saying, Lord, teach me to live in light of the fact that I'm going to die and stand before you on Judgment Day. Make those things matter to me more than anything else. We are to live in light of that. That's what Moses is getting at more than anything. I am going to die. I am going to stand before my Lord. Help me to think about how I spend my time in light of that fact. Not just how short my time is, but that where all things are headed. That thinking should shape us, it should shape our attitudes, beliefs, it should shape our children's lives as we seek to live in light of eternity. And as I said, I don't throw out these numbers as some kind of legalist or a, some kind of checklist. I'm not primarily concerned about percentages. I find them interesting because if someone says I don't have time for that, and you look at the numbers, compared to anything else you do in your life, it's like, how do you not have time for this? But the reason God wants this for us, the thing that should drive us, is not so we can reach some kind of checklist percentage for the year, but because the mercy of God drives us here. We just sang about this in Hymn 636 soul, adorn thyself with gladness. Why? Because here the feast is laid out, the king has prepared everything for you and for your salvation. you I mean, Think about the context of the wedding banquet, the wedding that we have in Matthew 22. The context is that God kept sending his prophets to Israel and they kept rejecting them until they finally killed them. And then finally, from other parables, we you know God sends his son and they kill him too. But notice what's the heart of this parable. The invitation is from the king, because the king's son is getting married, and he wants the people there so they can feast and enjoy the best foods, the best wine, so they can have everything as a gift from the king to celebrate this monumental event. Of course, it's used because husband and wife is a picture of that our Lord uses throughout the entire Bible for Christ and his church. The son is being married to his bride, the church. The picture is of the feast without ends, the feast that never ends, the feast that goes on and on for all eternity. And it's that feast that this feast here on Sundays prepares us for. And so to here, the king lays out all of his good gifts, And he says, come, come and receive them. I want you to have the very best things. I want you to have things that matter more than anything else you could do in your entire week. I want you to have it all. So Paul says, behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Christ, here in this place, he redeems you. He buys you back from an evil and wicked world. He has redeemed all of your days by suffering and dying for you and planning out all of your days. The church calendar is extremely helpful in this regard. We could say a lot more about this, but it does help us to think in terms of Christ and his life and what Christ wants for us as we order our days, not just according to a secular calendar, which seems to get most of the attention, but to the church calendar, which helps order our days in his peace, in his redemption. Christ, too, wants to receive these gifts because he wants to redeem and forgive your wasting of time. He wants you to have forgiveness for all the time you've wasted. And I think time is hard because if we repent of our materialism, of our waste of money... It's very easy to kind of make that up in some ways, right? To, to say, I've repented of that, and moving on. I think in some ways time is harder because we look back and we say, there's nothing to do about that. It's gone. There's nothing I can do. And yet Christ says, that's okay, I've, I've done this. I've redeemed you, I've redeemed your time, I've redeemed it all. Christ wants you at the wedding feast, the weekly wedding feast. Because he wants you to be prepared for the wedding feast, Right? There's a guy that shows up at the wedding feast. He's not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He comes in thinking, I'm still going to get in by my own good works, by what I do. And he's tossed out into hell. But Christ says, no, come and receive the gifts for you. Receive the clothing you need to be at the wedding banquet for all eternity. Right? Christ accomplished your redemption once and for all 2,000 years ago. Yet he applies it to you every time you receive his good and gracious gifts. So why have I been saying so adorn myself with gladness? It's an amazing thing that Christ calls you here, week in and week out, to receive the very best he has for you, to take away all of your sins, to give you eternal life, to redeem you from the devil and this evil and wicked world. That's what he wants for you. Because he knows that what you're going through right now, it's a blip, it's a dot on the timeline of eternity. It's a nanosecond in relationship to what you're going to enjoy for the rest of eternity. The problem is we don't and cannot fully comprehend this. We are bound by minutes and hours and days and seconds and all of these things, and the thought of eternity baffles us, and it should. So we pray, teach us to number our days so if we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us, O Lord, to redeem the time and light of your good and gracious mercy. Because we know that God has in store for us something that never ends. Right? I love the way the Bible, often our translations don't have this, but to the ages of ages. Right? It just keeps going. Age after age after age, that's what Christ wants for you. The days are evil. But Christ redeems you, body and soul. The days are evil. This present age is evil, and it's not going to get better. And yet Christ has something for you that lasts forever. He gives you something that cannot fade away, that cannot be stolen, that cannot be lost from time. That's what your Lord has for you. That's what he wants for you. And so he invites you to the wedding banquet because he desires to bless you, to give you all good things. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. That's what he throws the feast every week. Out have his great love for you. I have his great mercy for you. This is where he wants you because he cares about you. Let's consider again the quotes from the beginning. That with time, a drain a bank account that you will never be able to replenish. That all we have to decide is what to do with the time given to us, and that to waste time is one of the greatest of crimes. But we see with the Holy Gospel, with Christ and his gifts, But our entire conception of time can change because Christ calls us to redeem time as he's redeemed us and our time. So the invitation even goes out this morning. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money and time for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. This is Christ's call to you this morning and every week. Come, it's all free. God sends his son to die that he may give you this feast for free. There is no cost, no strings attached. He pours it out on you abundantly. So come and buy. Come and receive. Come and take up that which your soul is to delight itself in, because God gives you every good thing here in this place. Amen. 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 Peace of God, pass with honor, saying, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.